thanks for listening to this sermon from Cedar Springs Church. We know life is busy and it's easy to get caught up running in so many directions. At Cedar Springs, we see you and we're with you. We also understand the feeling inside of you for something deeper. In fact, we believe God created us for those deeper things and we want to help you discover them. We want to introduce you to a life lived deeply with God and with others. If you're not already, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship services. We are all working toward taking our next step to move into deeper faith and community. So come, take your next step with us. We don't want you to settle for life as normal because you were made to live deeply. Good morning, church family. Good to be with you. Good to see you. If you're new with us today, my name is James Forsyth. I'm the senior pastor here. And today we're starting a new series, What's the Point? A Surprisingly Happy Sermon Series on Ecclesiastes. I hope that title will make sense to you week by week, but I also hope it will begin to make sense to you today as we dive in uh, to chapter one. I invite you to turn there with me. We're going to spend uh, 12 weeks in this series, uh, one week for each chapter in this book. And so today we start in chapter one. I'm going to read verses one through 11 of this section of God's words. Let's see what Ecclesiastes has to say. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there such a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you that it speaks to the totality of our lives, the joyful seasons, the challenging seasons, uh, everything in between. As we come to you, Lord, we don't come to a God who is um, unaware of the reality of our lives, but a God who has entered into them and speaks to them even now, so that wherever we find ourselves this morning, you are here bidding us to come. Uh, So would you, by your spirit, whisper words of love we might meet with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, friends, tell me, um, who's the person in your life who just feels super negative? Who is the person that is your Debbie Downer? Who's the person that, that you try to avoid at parties? 
You know, you tell them you got a promotion. They tell you about all the extra stress you're going to have at work. You tell them you're going to the beach. They tell you the latest stat about skin cancer. Right? Um, you can tell them you're pregnant. They'll tell you about the rates of college tuition. You know, you, you could even tell them you won the lottery, and they'll tell you about how money ruins families. You know? And if you think those are good responses, I invite you to consider it. It may be that at parties, people are avoiding you. Well, the book of Ecclesiastes introduces us to someone that we might be tempted to avoid, that we might be tempted to avoid. And disconcertingly for me, he's called what? He's called the preacher. <laughs> the preacher in verse 1. Please don't avoid me at parties, okay? Now, the author of Ecclesiastes, and it's important to note that the author is not the preacher, the author has collected the sayings of the preacher and is going to give us some commentary on them at the end, and that will be important later on in this series. But for today, the author introduces us to this preacher, this Debbie Downer, this man we might be tempted to avoid in order to explore some of the dark, some of the disturbing experiences that we might have in our lives. And while we sometimes don't like to think about these things, we also want to be the kind of people who do think about these things. Why? Because we don't want to live shallow, superficial lives where we just skim along the surface acting like everything is awesome. We know that that won't stand up when real trouble comes. And we also want to live examined lives. We want to make the most of the lives our God has given us. So hopefully we're going to do that and get into why it's so important for us not to avoid this preacher in this series. Let's dive into verse 2 and see the preacher's message that plays out throughout the entire book is summarized for us here in this verse. Sometimes I give you a sermon in a sentence. Well, here's the preacher's sermon in a sentence for the book of Ecclesiastes. What is his message? It is this, vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, this word vanity, I mean, it appears five times in this one verse, but also appears 38 times throughout this book, 12 short chapters. It, it appears a lot. It's a strange word to our ears, isn't it? A word that I don't think any of us use in day-to-day -day conversation unless we're referring to a bathroom cabinet, and I don't think Ecclesiastes is talking about, talking about that. Um, the word is often translated as meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. Everything is meaningless. But the Hebrew word that's used here, remember that the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, so when we read our Bibles in English, we're reading a translation from that original Hebrew, and the original word that's used here in Hebrew is the word hevel, H-E-V-E-L. And what hevel very literally means is smoke or, or vapor. Vanity is smoke or vapor. And this takes us a little closer into what the preacher is, is getting at here in this book. Imagine your breath on a cold morning. You can see it. it it's real. But try to lay hold of it and it, it disappears. It's 
it's hevel. It's, it's a breath. And that's how this term hevel is often translated and certainly used throughout the Bible. Let me give you some examples. Psalm 39 that Gretchen read for us a moment ago says in verse 5, Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind, humanity stands as a mere breath. Hevel. Psalm 62. Those of low estate, the poor, are but a breath. Hevel. Those of high estate, the rich, are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Hevel. Psalm 144, verse 4. Man, humanity, is like a breath. Hevel. His days are like a passing shadow. Or hevel. And so the idea here in Ecclesiastes is not so much that the preacher has, has all the answers and is concluding for us that life is meaningless. No, he's not saying, I know it all and, and here's the answer. Instead, what he's saying is life, is, life is fleeting. Life is temporary. Life is like breath, like vapor, like smoke. Your life is here today and gone tomorrow. You can't lay hold of it in the meantime. It is heaven. Now, with this reality that, that, that life is like breath, comes some confusion, comes something disturbing, comes any number of paradoxes that the preacher is going to unpack for us in the verses that follow. So let's work through them in verses 3 through 11. First, he says, if life is a breath, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? If life is a breath... A blip on the radar. Does your work really matter? This thing that you put so much time and energy and effort into, what's it going to amount to? You're going to give yourself away. You're going to develop anxiety and stress. You're going to miss things with your families. You're going to develop ulcers. And then Ecclesiastes says you will die. Hevel. Hevel. And then what's going to happen? What's going to happen with all the stuff that you accumulated through all of this work? Well, Ecclesiastes says it'll be passed to someone else. And who it's passed to, it's possible they'll be wise, but it's also very possible that they'll be a fool. So they could take all that you've accumulated and blow it all on some stupid investment, or worse, give it to a cause with which you don't even agree. Hevel. How about verse 4? A generation goes... And a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Okay, if life is a breath, maybe our work doesn't matter. But if life is a breath, do you think even your very life matters? Look how many people just come and go. A generation comes, and a whole generation, a generation goes. People come and go on an endless cycle with great speed. You know who ends up dead? Everyone. Everyone, you can fill your life with whatever you want to fill it with, but your destination is going to be the same. And so we could go to the cemetery today. We could go to the Cedar Springs Cemetery today. And do you know what we'll find? What they all have in common side by side by side? They're all dead. And it doesn't matter whether they were rich or poor. 
And it doesn't matter whether they were kind or, or callous. And it doesn't matter if they were generous or a complete jerk. They're all dead. Their destination is the same. Ecclesiastes is going to go on and tell us in later chapters that, uh, that our, our destination will be the same as that. And in that sense, we're no different to the animals. Ashes to ashes. You know the phrase dust to dust that comes here from Ecclesiastes? Humanity in the end is glorified roadkill. Hevel. Hevel. Well, okay, maybe you think there's an optimist in the pew, okay? And there's an optimist in the pulpit, okay? It's part of my personality too. So, okay, maybe we think that in the meantime, before we die, we can be satisfied in this, this life. But Ecclesiastes says, no, if life is a breath, you think even your pleasure matters. In fact, the pursuit of happiness is one endless treadmill of repetitive nonsense. Look at verse 5. The sun, it rises and it goes down and hastens to the place where it rises again. What does it do? The same thing every single day. Okay, the wind blows to the south and goes to the north and around and around it goes and on its circuit the wind returns. Blows all over the place, accomplishes nothing. The streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. Think of all the water on this earth that is currently making its way down to the ocean. And what difference does it make to the ocean? No difference at all. And then look at this like preview of the condensation cycle. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. So they leave the mountain, they flow to the ocean, they evaporate the clouds, they come down in rain, and there they are on the mountain again. What is it? It's, it's Hevel. And, and, <laughs> and Ecclesiastes is going to tell us, look in verse 8, that it's the same for us. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying satisfaction doesn't last. You can no more fill yourself up with the pleasures of this world than the ocean can be filled up by the streams of this world. Well, okay. Optimists, unite. Let's take, can we take one more run at this? Maybe, <laughs> maybe something new and exciting is going to come along and break us out of this drudgery. Ecclesiastes says it's not. of verse 10. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Oh, optimist, is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. <laughs> Life. It's one endless cycle of fashion styles. Mom jeans, corduroy, fanny packs. Super cool, then super lame, then super cool, then super lame again. In 10 years, your children will laugh at you for what you're wearing today, and in 10 more years, they'll wear exactly the same thing. 
Isn't this how life goes? Well, Ecclesiastes says the exact same thing happens with our attempts to be happy. Happens in this pursuit of happiness. Like, okay, it works for a little while, but then it stops working, and then maybe it works again, but then it stops again. And all that we try has been tried before, and none of it makes any difference. It's hevel. And ultimately, verse 11, nothing we do makes any difference. Why? Because look, there's no remembrance of former things. How many of you can name all of your great-grandparents? Just their names. That's very recent history. Their blood flows in your veins. We don't even know their names. But then, then look, nor will there be any remembrance of later things. Your great-grandkids won't remember your names either. Like, forget, forget the foolish grandeur of illusion. You are not going to leave a legacy that's remembered. It's hevel. And how could it be any more than that when even the earth itself is going to die? Compared to us, the mountains seem so permanent. Yet, as they were formed, so they will deform through erosion and the shifting of tectonic plates. Compared to us, the sun seems so permanent. But as it was formed, so it will also explode, leaving no mountains and certainly no humanity. All of this is hevel. You ready for a summary? It's been quite the week of study, my friends. And I was struck how, you know, the experience you have, the human experience of being so depressed, you feel the need to laugh. English is a great word for it. We call it the absurd. When something is so bad, you feel the need to laugh because the only other thing you could do is cry. Well, here, here's a summary, you ready? Here's the summary of Ecclesiastes 1 through 11. Life is breath. You will die and you will be forgotten. And there is no meaning here on earth that your inevitable death will not destroy. No meaning here on earth that your inevitable death will not destroy. We don't like to think about this, but we know it's true. In the end, we all die my notes say, there's no way you're getting invited to any more parties. Okay. It's a depressing message. <laughs> but can I encourage us not to shy away from it? First of all, because we don't want to be the kind of people who shy away from reality. You don't want your life to be one big version of let's pretend. There's something so beautiful and, de- and endearing about, about that with, with children. I love that you can, spend, um, you can spend a morning with a child and without ever leaving your home, you can truly have been to the moon. And you can have had tea with the queen because let's pretend is a, is a, is a beautiful game. But what's a beautiful game for a child doesn't make for a good life. Like have the courage to look reality in the eye 
and to try and live a life that makes sense in, in light of it. We don't want to shy away from this depressing message, but, but more than that, the, the more important reason why we can't shy away from this is that, you know, the preacher's goal actually isn't to depress us. The goal of this book isn't actually to, to depress us. We say, really? <laughs> I say, really, instead. Here, here's the key idea. The purpose is to dismantle our attempts to find meaning and purpose and joy in things that can never give us meaning, purpose, and joy. Let me say that again. The goal of the preacher is to dismantle our attempts to find meaning and purpose and joy in things that can never ultimately give them to us. And so it's a deconstruction of sorts. Not to depress us, but so that we might turn from those counterfeits and find the real thing. Turn from those counterfeits, those shadows, that smoke, and find the real thing. That's why this series is called What's the Point? A Surprisingly Happy Sermon Series. What's the point? Because we all have to face up to the reality that life is hevel. Surprisingly happy because when we do that, we can then find the real thing. How is that the case? How do we find the real thing? Friends, here's your main point for today. The summary was important, but it wasn't the sermon in a sentence. Yes, life is a breath. You will die. You will be forgotten. But this is what you need to remember. We come to this book because it points us to the hope that outlives death. Ecclesiastes is going to point us to the hope that outlives death. If there is no meaning that your inevitable death does not destroy, what do you need? What do I need? We need someone who can destroy death. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. Death dies because death could not hold him. He defeated it as he rose again to new life. And so we say, yeah, there is no hope under the sun. So Jesus comes from heaven. There is no hope on the earth. So Jesus comes from above. Friends, here, nothing is new. So Jesus comes to make all things new. This is the message of the gospel. And so I would say to you this morning, if you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, to, to hear this gospel truth and come to him. The truth you know that life is going to end in day. Your life is a breath. You will die. You will not be remembered. But in Jesus, you can, you can come. You can find hope, meaning, purpose, and joy that even death can't destroy. Because for Christians, and Christians, worship with me on this, don't you love how Jesus reverses everything? Jesus reverses everything. So a, a friend of mine sums up the message of Ecclesiastes by saying, nothing matters, everything matters, because Jesus is in between. So nothing matters. Without Jesus, dust and ashes, hevel. But because of Jesus, everything matters. A great reversal has taken place. Because he has defeated death, your work actually now does matter. Because you're making a difference for him in this life that will ripple into eternity. And because Jesus has defeated death, your relationships now do matter. 
because you are loving people that you'll be able to continue to love in all eternity. And because he has defeated death, then, 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 then all things, like your, even your, your satisfaction matters. Why? Because you can now eat and drink to his glory, knowing that that great meal is just an appetizer of that eternal feast that's going to come. And because he has defeated death, even your death matters. Why? Because you know, Christian, that it is just the gateway to eternal life with him. A great reversal has occurred. Nothing mattered now. Everything mattered because Christ has come in between and he is the one who makes all things new. The temporary becomes permanent. The vapor becomes substance. What was smoke becomes real. And your breath, which now couldn't even be laid hold of, becomes eternal. Eternal as you live with him. So, let me give you some homework for the week. Here's my, here's my encouragement for the week. Take some time this week to read the whole book of Ecclesiastes. It will take the average reader 30 minutes. We can all find, find half an hour this week. And when you're done, consider this question. Just ask, um, how does Jesus bring meaning to my life? How does Jesus bring meaning to my life? Talk to your roommates about your answer. Talk to your spouse about your answer. Have your kids read the book of Ecclesiastes or perhaps uh, read it to them and then talk about it as a family. Here's what, here's what I promise you you'll find. And I hope that you'll find throughout this series as well. Um, yeah, th there's some people in your life that you want to avoid. You might even want to avoid this preacher. You might even want to avoid this preacher. <laughs> but Jesus... You don't want to avoid him. Only in him will you find the life for which you truly long. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that your word does deal in reality. That it's all, it's not like a bunch of tales and games, some sort of fiction. But instead takes us and confronts us with the deepest realities we'd ever face here in this life not to depress us, but to give us hope. To give us the hope in Christ who has defeated death so that the inevitable death that awaits doesn't reduce our lives to, to ashes and to meaninglessness. Instead, Lord, we live with purpose. We live with meaning. We live with joy. Because all that is done here, um, we will take with us into eternity. So thank you for the grace of Jesus that make these things so. We praise you in his happy name. Amen.